There's something that happened just, just about a month ago on Sunday, April 9th. Stories, the, the, the news article reads this way. An eight-year-old Ohio boy with a craving for a cheeseburger drove himself and his four-year-old sister to McDonald's Sunday night after learning how to drive by watching YouTube videos. Police arrived at the McDonald's in East Palestine, Ohio around 8 p.m. after receiving multiple calls from people who saw the young boy driving. Um, the Wheaton Daily or the Daily Times reported. According to authorities, the children headed to McDonald's after their parents fell asleep early. During the mile and a half road trip, the eight-year-old boy obeyed all traffic laws and drove, quote, effortlessly through downtown East Palestine, patrolman Jacob Kohler told the Times. He didn't hit a single thing on the way there. It was unreal, he said. The eight-year-old boy used money from his piggy bank to pay for the food. The workers thought that the parents were in the back, but obviously they weren't, Kohler said. It says a family friend who was inside the restaurant spotted the children and called their grandparents, who later picked them up. No charges were filed, and the kids were able to eat their McDonald's while waiting for their grandparents, the Times reported. <laughs> the last quote, he says, it's the, it's the officer, he says, I think there is a good teaching point here. With the way technology is anymore, kids will learn how to do anything and everything. This kid learned how to drive on YouTube. He probably looked it up for five minutes and, th and then said, hey, it's time to go, right? And this is just the world that we live in, right? And it's an understatement of the century to say that the world has changed, right? When I think about the difference between the way I've grown up and the way young people are growing up today or even from my dad, I think often my dad was born in 1944, <laughs> 1944. Dave, what year were you born? 46. 46. Okay, my dad's a little older than you. There's a 40-year gap between me and my dad, and the technological advances from the time he was born to the time I was born are significant, right? The world has changed, and that little story is just a classic example of how that's happened. But I want to say just thanks for coming this morning. I know some of you guys are just coming in. I want to say thanks again. Um, I'm excited to be a part of what God's doing here as both the director of the student ministries and just the rest of what's going on in our church. And I want you guys to know just up front, I will provide time at the end for Q&A, but I do want to kind of get through some things this morning that hopefully will help you, hopefully a blessing to you. Um, and I want to say this too, and some of you guys saw my email, but as soon as we announced this last week, I mean, I've been bombarded <laughs> quite literally with, with stuff. People sending me articles. I got a phone call that afternoon from somebody. Hey, we use this GPS app to track our kids. You know, um, we, I, I mean, people are writing me on, on Facebook, sending me messages. Hey, I saw this article. I've had the staff sending me things. Um, um, I was at the gym. I was running and I'm talking to my, to my friend. So Shay, I got a two-year-old, you know, what do I need to do? You know, we're running. We're, people are thinking through this. And the interesting thing is, or I'd say this, I'm not really surprised. Right? As, as Dom said, we live in this technological age that we just can't ignore. Right? And in some sense, we feel the effects every single day, if not every single minute, um, in this technological digital age. Right? From the time we wake up, often for, to our phones, um, telling us to wake up at a certain time till the time we go to bed, usually to the glow of a phone or some kind of digital device. Right? We are bombarded each and every day. Right? And I want you guys to know just up front, I don't hate technology. I don't. Okay? You're going to hear some things say, you might think, whoa, Shay, like, you're not really engaged. Well, no, I am. I love it. In fact, I told you, I'm using two apps this morning to help me and aid me. Okay? In fact, I realized this yesterday, some ways that we use technology today in good ways. We, I took my son to get x-rays. Something wrong with his foot. He woke up. All of a sudden, he couldn't walk. I go into the x-ray room. He's laying on this table. And when I was a kid and I hurt myself, we would do x-rays and it would take like an hour, right? They'd have to go take film and go do something in a back room and, and change things. Well, my son's laying on the table. They shoot a digital picture. In one second, this thing starts showing up on the screen, right? And we've got these technological advances in medicine that are aiding us constantly. I think about global connectivity, right? Even when I was a missionary in Czech Republic, how incredible it was for me to be able to be connected in a way that we've never been able to be connected before, right? You guys have experienced this. You FaceTime with people, you video chat with people, you write messages on, 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 other, on other devices or other systems, right? To be able to connect to people around the globe and how this has impacted personal relationships, business, you know. Think about gospel growth. Um, one example is these guys I met from Turkey. 
They're designing apps right now that they can connect young people to do Bible studies in a closed country and give them the ability to be able to communicate and to share their faith with other people where maybe a church is hard to get to, almost impossible to get to, right? Or how about just personal help, right? We have our digital assistants. We have devices that help us do certain things, right? Maybe even, I'm not wearing mine today, or my Fitbit reminding me, right, that I need to go exercise because I sit behind a desk all day. Right? Or you, have, you don't have to memorize phone numbers anymore. Right? When was the last phone number you memorized? I think I know two, my own and my wife's, and that's about it. Right? We, don't, we just have these devices that have just taken over our lives. Right? And you guys know this. I don't want to spend too much time here, but all of these are wonderful tools right, of which we're thankful for. But in the, in the same way, right, we can use tools for good. Right? You know that these tools can be used for the wrong things, right? the wrong purposes. I'm thinking of things like this. Like we've lost in some sense the ability to have face-to-face communication, especially among young people. Um, I've read, you know, and we'll talk about this later, about young men and women who are being exposed to pornography at significantly earlier age um, than they have in the past. Um, Deaths are actually being recorded now live on live video feeds using Facebook video. In the last month, I read about three deaths literally recorded live to be shown um, to the world's suicides. People are distracted like never before. We're gonna talk about that. And then this one, people are becoming addicted to their phones, their games, and other technology um, in unhealthy ways, and they're having long-term impact. And so those are just a few of the real world problems, the real world problems that we see today. And I want to look at some of them um, with you. And I want to say this too, this is all kind of introduction. I, I, I may not be able to answer every question today, okay? There are so many gnawing questions that people have about technology. But if you do have a question, please write it down. I want to be able to be a resource for you. But um, I, I, I'm concerned that I, I won't be able to get to it all. Um, and part of that is because we have to make generalizations when we talk about technology. You have specific um, rules and, and, and regulations in your own home or, or ways that you manage your own technology use that might be better than even the way I do, right? And so I've got to make generalizations and then we have a freedom, right? We have a freedom in our Christian faith to be able to do the things that God's called us to do because the Bible, I can't go to a chapter and verse and it says, well, this is how my, I use my iPhone, right? But we have to look for biblical principles and understand kind of what God is telling us and what he wants us to know. Okay, so my hope essentially is to start a conversation more than finish a conversation, and hopefully um, it can be helpful. Okay, so what I'd like to do, and, and what I'd like to do is actually kind of look with you at Ephesians chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4. And as you turn there, I was just thinking, we've got we've to think about these things, especially technology, from a biblical worldview. How do we think about um, technology from a biblical worldview? I, I, think, I think part of it, maybe one reason is to think about these things is really just to think about what it means to be holy, what it means to be sanctified, right? I've been, and some of you know this, some of you parents, I've been teaching um, our young people on the subject of holiness. I've been actually walking through Ephesians with them, right? And I've been thinking a lot about how we apply this. And so what I'd like to do is kind of launch from this text into some practical application on technology. And so Ephesians 4 has been my go-to passage and then, um, but what I want you to see here too is actually what Paul does, Paul in Ephesians 4, what he's doing is he's making a turn. He's starting to go, hey, listen, I told you a bunch of, st- a bunch of stuff in, in chapters 1 through 3, and now I want to make a turn and start to apply the truths. In fact, what I'd like you to do is turn back to Ephesians 2, and I want you to see this. What Paul does here is he grounds them in the gospel. Right? And we need to be grounded in the gospel if we're going to think about technology in a biblical way. Okay, so he's going to ground them in the gospel in chapters 1, 2, and 3. And I was, going to, I was going to read a bunch of different things, but I'd like to just kind of focus in here on chapter 2. Okay, chapter 2, the first 10 verses. Let me read those to you. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive 
together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Again, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And here's why, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? And so Paul, Paul here wants to ground the church. He says, listen, church, you have been saved. You've been given the mercy and grace and the love of God, and you have been saved. And so Paul's going to do this in chapter 1. He's going to do it in chapter 2. He's going to remind them in chapter 3. And turn your Bibles to chapter 4. He starts to walk into some application. Now that you know, now that you're grounded in the faith, right, here's what you need to do. And I want to read just one more paragraph right here in 17 um, to 24. Let's read this. He says, Now this I say, And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned him, that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus Verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness in holiness. Paul's point in that little section, it says, listen, you weren't saved just to stay the same, right? You guys know this. You were saved to be changed, Right? And I'm trying to tell our young people this. I'm trying to remind them. Listen, you've got to, in that sense, be different to make a difference. No one's going to look at your life and, and want what you have unless you begin to live your life in accordance with the Scripture, in accordance with Christ. And so I give you guys this, again, sort almost just here as a, as a foundation. There's kind of three things just right here. Real quick, I want to tell you. I told this to our students, and I, I'm so thankful for Jim Berg's book, Change Into His Image, for this outline. If, if you want to study sanctification, go get that book. Demo, I think, even recommended that book to me. And it has quite literally changed my life. Like, it's like my Bible, and then that book, I feel like, it's, is right there. But here's kind of his three-point outline. They come from verse 22, 23, and 24. Number one, we've got to kill our sin. Right? He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And that former manner of life, he just got done describing in, in, in the earlier verses. He says, you've got to mortify your sin. Secondly, in verse 23, you've got to meditate on God's word. Right there, verse 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Right? You've got to let God's word wash over you. Tons of passages, Psalm 19, 119, right? talking about uh, God's word and the wonder of God's word. So we've got to kill our sin. We've got, to, we've got to meditate on God's word. And lastly is in verse 24, we've got to manifest Christ's likeness. He says, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What he's saying simply is we've got to start looking like Jesus. Right? As, we, as we kill sin, as we meditate on God's word, then we've got to start doing the things that God's called us to do. And that's exactly what Paul will end up continuing on in 4, 5, and 6 to tell them, here's what you need to do. Right? So what does any of this have to do with technology and parenting? I think a lot. Right? I think a lot. Because we're broken and fallen people, right? we need every aspect of our lives to be changed into his image. Right, to look more and more like Christ. Right? And you guys know, as I know, I feel the effects often. We're not there yet. Right? We haven't arrived. We don't always look like Christ in the things that we do or the way we even engage technology. Right? And um, although we have technology and it's wonderful and we use it for so many things, we have a, a, the, the strange ability to use it for the wrong purposes. It's not too unlike right, what James says. From the same mouth come what? Blessing and cursing. Right? I think I could paraphrase it in Shea 1 7 here. Um, out of the same iPhone, right? Come blessing and cursing. Out of the same text message, come blessing and cursing, right? 
because we're fallen, we're going to distort things and even helpful tools. So here's the two reminders from all that summary statement on those two reminders. We're fallen people in a fallen world, right? That's one thing the gospel reminds us. Two, secondly, is what we just discussed is Christ is in the process of changing us to be more like himself, right? So we're going to continue to kill sin. We're going to continue to meditate and manifest, and we're in process. Okay, so that's kind of foundation, okay? It's not that I want to leave the scripture, right? But I do want to lay a foundation of why I'm kind of thinking about some of these things as how we can apply them. Right? And I think as I move now into kind of application, I just want you to know that I still, I still see the gospel as the foundation here. It's still about our holiness. It's still about how we can be changed. So what I'd like to do is just tell you kind of three things that I've seen, um, especially in the last few years, or even in my own life, of ways that maybe problem areas of technology. Does that sound fair? Problem areas maybe of which maybe it applies to both us and our kids. Here's number one. Number one. Preoccupation. They're all P. I tried my best to be like Ardo, you know, using the alliteration as much as I can. Preoccupation, right? Or if I can say it this way, we are addicted to distraction. We're addicted to distraction. And by the way, I'm pulling that language from a very, very helpful book that um, was a big help to this study called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You by Tony Reinke. I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, this is a very, very helpful book to think about technology in a biblical way. I actually brought some copies. Um, over there, there's about they're $10 each. I have three there. We've got like 10 more over at the hub today if you want to pick that book up. But some of, the, some of the stuff I'll say today is even from this book specifically. So again, we're, we're preoccupied. We're addicted to distraction. You guys have felt this. Every time a beep, a ding, a dong, a, a buzz in your pocket right, comes, right, the world is vying for your and my attention. Right? Every waking moment and often while we sleep. I experience this a lot in Czech Republic when we're in sleeping hours and America's awake and people are texting me and it's, you know, it's just crazy. Right? We're preoccupied with distraction. One author, one author called it this, your phone, your phone has become the neediest partner you have. Right? Always wanting your attention. In his article, We Are Hopelessly Hooked, Jacob Weisberg says, we check our smartphones an average of 221 times a day. That's once every 4.2 minutes of our waking lives. For every 4.2 minutes, we're checking our phone. It's our impulse, right, to grab our phones in any moment of, that's free or any bored moment, right? Let me check my Instagram is often what the students say. I need to check how many likes I got. Let me go see what's going on on Twitter. I just talked to a student the other day that told me, yeah, I don't know why I do that. I just checked Twitter three minutes ago and nothing's changed. <laughs> no duh. <laughs> right? The world's not moving that fast. Right? You know? And, and we have this desire. What's the score of the game? Right? Even the little, the little video... The little video introduction for this book has a guy sitting in church. He's got his phone, and this, he's got his Bible app, and the score comes up. He's like, yeah, and his wife's like hitting him, you know, like, put your arms down. <clears throat> Think about distraction or preoccupation. In 2013, so this is a few years ago, 424,000 people were injured in motor vehicle crashes involving a distracted driver. 424,000 accidents. Right? Some of us even know people who've been involved in accidents um, because of a distracted driver. In multiple studies of people's, people's behavior with their smartphones, the majority of people admitted that their phone is the first thing that they check when they wake up in the morning. Many of them um, admitted to never actually getting to time with God's word. That was a Christian study of about 7,000 people. Many of them said, man, I probably, spent, I probably spent 20, 30 minutes on my phone. I never actually got time with the Lord. One article says this, I'm giving you some stats, but the average user now spends about 50, 50, 50 minutes every day in the Facebook product line. This would include Facebook, their little app called Messenger, and of course, Instagram, which is also owned by Facebook. 50 minutes. That same article said those engineers are trying to create more and more opportunity to spend, for you to spend more time than 50 minutes in their product line. So we are distracted, right? That doesn't count the number of minutes we spend texting, tweeting, right? Posting to social networks, um, other networks that we have. And the question becomes, and I was greatly helped by ranking on this, why are we so distracted? What is it that lures us away from this world into this other world, right? 
There's a couple reasons he gives, and I think they're helpful. We use digital distractions to keep work away. I saw this just yesterday as I was sitting in the extra room. I was sitting at the table, or sat at the chair, and I kind of looked, and the door was open. I could see down the hall, and there is a medical guy on his computer, and he's just scrolling through Facebook. All right, and you see him click on a wedding photo, and he's reading comments. Right, I see him move on. He clicks on, you know, Cousin Joey's, I don't know, funeral. I'm not sure like, what people are looking at, right? But we, 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 we have distractions. They kind of keep work away. They, we'd rather be doing something else than what we're called to do. I admit to you guys, as I was studying for this, how many times I was distracted. I, I joked with Demo, I should have just kept a tally, right? The number of times that I got distracted even while studying and preparing, right? That's one way. We just try to keep work away. Number two, we, we use digital distractions to keep people away, right? We keep people away. Oh, we want to be connected, right? But we don't want to be connected with the people around us necessarily, right? I mean, I, I don't mean to, to be weird on this, but I did notice this the other night, even just at Summerfest. We get up, we're going to go to dessert. There's a few people that just immediately, boom, right? We go to our phones, right? There's a couple people talking and there's people down. You, you've experienced this, right? We pull our phones out in all kinds of places, right? We're basically saying, at least among young people, I know this is true, I'd rather not talk to anyone right now, right? Without saying it, we're saying, this place is boring, let me get out of here. Let me just put my headphones in so you can't see me anymore, right? This is what digital distractions are doing. That's why we're lured away. Thirdly, thirdly, I think this is definitely true among our young people. We're looking for meaning in our lives. We're looking for meaning. We can't stand the thought of being bored or silent or alone, right? I mean, I, I thought, you know, I get likes, therefore I am, right? This is kind of how young people, especially today, generalizing work, right? I need to go check. I need to see what's happening, right? I need there to be some kind of meaning in that sense to my life. There could be more reasons, right? There could be a lot more, right? But I'm asking the question, where does this leave us spiritually, I love the way one writer says it. I couldn't say it better. It is difficult to serve God with our heart, soul, and strength and mind when we are diverted and distracted and multitasking everything, right? This is constant. I used to pride myself in my ability to be able to multitask. Anymore, I feel like I'm actually just trying to cut it back down, right? right? One author said this way, the heart works best when it is not dominated by cares and demands, right? When we talk about meditating on God's word, as Paul calls us to, Right? The question becomes, how are we going to do that if we just have constant distractions and bombardment? I love the way Proverbs says it. Proverbs 4.23, a great verse. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Right? Over and over. I'm walking with some young men right now on Monday mornings through Proverbs. We've gone Proverbs 1 through 9. We're walking through them and over and over. It's, it's remember my words. Keep my commandments. Guard your heart. Right? Which in the scripture is just synonymous with the mind. We've got to guard our minds, right? Because out of it, right, flows our lives. Um, Reinke, in his, little, in his little book, 12 Ways You're Changing You, says this, the more distracted we are digitally, the more displaced we become spiritually. I think he's right. I think it's a fair assessment of where our lives have become with digital distractions. Some of us even have them on our wrists like I do, Right? We're welcoming distractions. And by the way, wearable tech is, is all the rage, right? So it's not going anywhere, just FYI, right? Wearable tech is where things are going technologically. And so it's not becoming less, right? It's becoming more hard in that sense to keep distractions away, right? And, and furthermore, I actually have a book over here. I'll just highlight this to you. This is an unbeliever, okay? Unbeliever. I read, about, I read 160 pages of this over this weekend. Here's, here's where I'm at right now. Okay, this whole book, here's the title, Irresistible, The Rise of Addictive Technology and the Business of Keeping Us Hooked. This is just full of story after story after story and research after research of why apps are designed the way they are. One story of a 13-year-old kid addicted to gambling. 13 years old. How did that happen? Well, he entered a, an online gaming program. And from there, he was able to sell some skins that you buy when, you, when you're in this, in this world of, of battle. And he can sell those to a third-party site. And from this third-party site, he can convert that into real money, into a real bank account. And then he can move that over to a gambling site where he's quite literally, at one point, he's just flicking a coin on the screen. Right? And, and, and I just, I read that. I'm, like, I'm telling Bethany, I'm like, I'm going to get depressed right? reading some of this stuff. 
right? And you think, oh, that's an extreme. Well, maybe, but right? But it's one small thing to the next thing to the next thing, one distraction that pulls us away, right? How are we going to be renewed in our minds when we're preoccupied with so many other things? So that's one problem I see. The second problem deals with people. So we're preoccupied and related to this is people. We forget the flesh and blood around us. We kind of already mentioned this, right? But I experienced this recently on vacation. I'll say vacation to some degree, right? I was staying there. Actually, I was sleeping. I was in bed, playing in bed, and my phone, ding. I'm like, what's going on? Like, is something happening? Is everybody okay? And I look and, Shay, can you send me that video that you posted to Twitter a month ago? And, and well, Shay, uh, another person, Shay, um, I had a question about River of Life and, and about something going on with ministry. And then, ding, my dad. Shay, uh, can you call me sometime? I want to ask you a question about my computer. My dad's, you know, 73. And he's still trying to figure stuff out, right? And, and within like an hour, I had 10 different text messages from 10 different people. And I remember at one point I was standing there and I think I was actually writing Pastor Scott, don't blame him, right? I've got to protect myself and I'm, I'm doing something and Bethany and the kids are walking out the door to go on vacation out of the hotel room and I'm over here, hold on you guys. And I realized, what am I doing? Right? I, I think for my own heart, it was this weird moment of like, I thought I had control and I don't. Right? I, I, I am so preoccupied that I've ignored the people around me. And Bethany's looking at me like, well, you weirdo. Like, what is your problem? Right? We're on vacation. Can we go to the beach now? Right? What is so important that you can't come and be with us? Right? It was kind of the perfect storm. And I remember that moment. I've got to make some changes. Right? I've got to do something. And it was actually really was. And I told Bethany this just yesterday. That was like a weird kind of eye-opening experience for me. Even before I was starting to study for this, it was like, whoa, like I've, I've gotten a little out of control, right, in some degree. I can't even spend time with my, my own family, right? You've been at restaurants. You've seen this. You go to the booth, and there's the family sitting at the table, and everybody just boom, right? Here, kid, here's an iPad. Here's a tablet, right? You guys do your thing just so I can have a moment here to do whatever it is I'm doing, right? right? It's not uncommon. Right? Everybody's checking something, but no one is talking to the person next to them, Right? We talked about distracted drivers. I want, you, I want to give you guys just a couple stats on this. I am not, I don't work for the government, okay? But I'm against texting and driving. Have I failed in this area? Yes, I have. I will admit to you, I have failed in this area, okay? I am making changes now to, to protect myself and those around me. But think about this stat. It's again from Ranky's book. The average time it takes a person to send a text message, what do you guys think? How long does it take to send one text? 15 seconds? You say 10, 15, anybody? Four, okay, close. 4.6 seconds on average. High schoolers can probably do it in less, <laughs> right? right? 4.6 seconds on average. If you are driving down the 99 freeway at 55 miles per hour and you send a text message, you have taken your eyes off the road for 4.6 seconds. In that amount of time, at that speed, doing a little bit of math, you will have driven the length of a football field. Blind. Right? 4.6 seconds, right? Length of a football field. And you might be thinking, but Shay, we've got laws, right? I even read 46 out of 50 states have enacted laws protecting people from texting and driving. But here's the thing. The laws aren't working. They're just not working. In fact, some studies are saying that it's actually increasing the number of accidents on the road. You think, well, why, why is that? Why would, it, why would all of a sudden it go up if we're, it's supposed to be illegal? Well, one, one suggestion is, just like any high school teacher can tell you, it's this motion. Right? Let me just keep my phone down while I drive. Right? And, and, and causing right, significant danger not only to those not to ourselves and the people with our, in our car, but those around us. And you say, well, Shay, what does the gospel have to say to that? What, is, what does the Bible have to say? Uh, I mean, one solution, I think, one answer is, well, love your neighbor. Right? Love the people around you enough right, to protect them from harm. Right? Reinke even points out, it's funny that, the, that the, even when Christ set, is talking about loving your neighbor, he's talking about the Good Samaritan. It's, it's, a, it's an analogy of the road. Right? It's on the road. Right? Don't take that too far, but it is what it is. Right? I think often we're just not loving our neighbor well when we are texting and driving. Right? That's why I say I don't work for the government, but I will say it's no good. Right? Because here's the thing. When we're laws, 
where laws can't change our attitude, right? They can't speak. It's because they can't speak to our heart, right? Where the gospel and, and the word of God speaks to our heart and says, no, no, no. You just need to love the people around you enough, right, to keep them safe. So we ignore those around us. Another piece I already talked about is we lose face-to-face relationships, right? This is such a problem among young people, right? I mean, you guys, I, I, it's hard for me to like even describe some of the things I was reading, like where in one situation, there's schools, they're begging for people to do training on teaching young people how to have a real conversation, right? They want to teach them how to, how to speak eye to eye in an interview, Right? Because they're just so used to looking down and, and focusing. You guys know this, that our parents of teenagers, some of you, maybe, maybe these parents have, I mean, these children have budding romantic relationships. Right? And often they're started with, well, we're texting now. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> right? Well, we're texting now, so things, have, things are starting off pretty good. Right? Like, wait a second. Right? There's no more face-to-face interaction, right? But think about texting. It allows us what to delete, to edit, right? To change what we want to say over and over in interviews with young people in the studies. This is what they say. Well, I can, I can make, who I, make myself who I want myself to be, right? I can, I, can, I, can, I, I can present a picture of myself, right? That is, you know, something different than maybe who I really am, right? In that sense, we kind of lose our humanness, I love digital technology. I love to be able to connect, to connect with other people, right? But it's so much better when I'm here live, right? It's so much better when you can see my face and I can express things with my hands, right? Because we're more than just one-dimensional, right? God designed us to be multifaceted, right? Think about how many times you guys have maybe written an email or read an email that you misunderstood. You thought about that, right? You're like, oh, this guy's harsh. Why is he yelling at me? No, my caps lock was on, buddy. Like, like, I thought you were just yelling, right? Or, or maybe you got a text, like, what are you doing? This happens, we joke about this in the office because Pastor Scott will text things using Siri. And we have a list of going in the office of just things are outrageous, right? And just like, he's like, that's not what I meant, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> we laugh all the time, accidental swear words, don't tell anybody. Um, that autocorrect, Right? But think about this. I, I, I've thought this long. Right? In, in the pastoral epistles, listen, Paul was using technology when he wrote the Bible and wrote the letters, right? He used pen and parchment, things and wrote it down. But what did he constantly come back to? He says, listen, my letter's not enough. Right? I want to be with you. Right? Philippians 1.8, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all. He wanted to have face-to-face interaction. 2 Timothy 1.4, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, right? That I may be filled with joy, right? Paul knew that if he was going to convey his whole heart, he needed to be there face-to-face. Yet the problem is, today, young people, they're so used to doing this, right? They're not even, we're not even getting to the real person, right? I always warn people, right, of, the, of our ability, especially young people, to, to over-respond via text message. In fact, I was, this happened the other day. In fact, I'll tell you, Lloyd's, it was with Gavin, your son. I was writing him. We were writing back and forth. We were messaging on Twitter, and we are talking about some stuff, and I finally said, you know what? Let's just meet tomorrow, and let's have lunch. Right? And we did, right? Because I can get so far, and I can learn things, but at some point, I can't even convey my whole heart, right, unless I'm with them. Right? And so, and, and even further, can I just take that one step further? Even Jesus Christ came in the flesh, right? He came down to us, right? To be with us face to face. We can't live our lives in isolation, right? Just by texting or online conversation, right? Misunderstandings come, misleadings come so much easier. We're preoccupied, we struggle with our face to face relationships with people. And here's a big one. And I, this is a sobering little section here, but I have to get to it. And it deals with purity, with purity. And um, the, the kind of tagline there is, we get comfortable in secret vices. This became a reality for me. Um, um, I, I have a friend of mine who I went to master's with. He was a youth director down in, in Southern California. And I, I'd seen him, actually, I think I was at a wedding. I saw him, and I was like, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, ah, I think I have a hard day or whatever. And I'm like, really, what's going on? He goes, oh, one of my students, um, I just visited him in jail. I was like, whoa, what do you mean one of your students? And he was a youth director, and he was actually a, they, they, it, the way they're designed, their youth program is so large that each director moves up with the class. They start with the freshman class, and they spend four years in the program. 
And so I think this kid was um, now out of the program, and, and my friend Tristan had to visit him in jail. I said, What's go- well, what happened? And he goes, well, oh, man, you can go online and read about it. I go, what do, what do you mean go online and read about it? He goes, oh, well, he goes, his first year at his Christian school, in, in Christian college in SoCal, um, he was arrested um, because he was found installing spy, spy cam software on girls' computers in the IT department. Um, and what he would do essentially is he would, the girls would come and they want to get their computer fixed by him. And I think he might have even been doing this out of his dorm and he would just install some software and, and the thing would pop up on the screen and say, put your computer in a moist area like the shower and, and then you know, it'll, this will adjust the computer and these girls would take the bait. And um, I think you know the rest, right? And so he was spying on girls without their knowledge. And the article that I read, the press release says this, he met the six victims through friends and church. And you're like, of course they're going to throw the church thing in there, right? right but here he is at a Christian university in a, in a, with my friend who's a godly, young, a godly man, right? Spending time. And yet he was stuck in that sense in a secret vice, right? right? And he, he had some know-how to be able to do this, right? And by God's grace, I told our students this on Wednesday, by God's grace, his sin found him out, right? He wasn't comfortable anymore when the police showed up, right? His sin found him out. And I say that, right, because that's maybe, maybe an extreme example, right? But there's so many ways that our phones and technology lure us away from the gospel. And this area of sexual sin is massive. It's so massive that Tim Challies, if you guys know Tim Challies on challies.com, has... Um, he keeps regular stats updated. In fact, these are from April 2017. Challies.com, April 2017. I am just going to read some of them to you uh, because they're kind of overwhelming. Um, here it is. 4.6 billion. 4.6 billion. That's the number of hours of pornography at just one website. One website that was viewed in one year, 2016. 4.6 billion hours. That's 524,000 years of porn, or if you will, around 17,000 complete lifetimes. In that same time, people watched 92 billion individual videos. Right? Charlie says the significance is so many people are using so much porn today that it's actually impossible to tabulate. 11, next stat, 11. At age 11, the average child has already been exposed to explicit pornographic content through the internet. 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to internet-based pornography during their adolescent years. Think about this. 22% of vast quantities of porn are consumed by people that are age less than 10. 11 years old. 57% of young adults admit to seeking out porn at least once per month. At least once per month. 96% huge number of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or they're neutral in their view towards pornography. Encouraging, accepting, or neutral, right? So relatively positive. 96% of young adults that are surveyed. Just stat in the United States, 70%, these are global stats, many of them, 70% uh, of pornography is watched on a mobile phone. Right, where once it was you grabbed a computer or you find, we talked to young men who are in their room someplace, right? Maybe even a public area, not anymore, right? They're with their phones. 33%, think about this, it's not just men. Today, 33% of women aged 25 and under go searching for porn at least once per month. Once per month. 62% of teens and young adults have received a sexually explicit image. Meanwhile, 41% have sent one, usually to their boyfriend or girlfriend. Pretty unbelievable stat. How about this one? 36% of young adults watch pornography to get tips. I'm just going to stop right there on that one. Uh, 80% of porn users feel no sense of guilt when using porn. Right, And Tim Challies concludes this way, and I appreciate his thoughts. These numbers prove statistically what we already know anecdotally, that pornography is a significant issue afflicting our society and our church. Heavy stats. Right? Actually, when I first read them, I just was called to tears, to be quite honest with you. I read those stats to our students the other day, and I could see the girls in front of me beginning to tear up 
right? Just thinking about their friends, thinking about the people around them. One author said it this way, free porn assessed on a smartphone represents a spiritual epidemic of unprecedented gravity in the history of the church, costing a whole generation of young Christians their joy in Christ and corroding young souls by the acid of unchecked lust. Right? I mean, it's no, it's no stretch to say the issue is killing young people. It's killing them. I, I can tell you, and I can't obviously be specific, but I have had way too many conversations with young men especially right, on this issue. In our church, other places as well. Right? And as we just read, it's obviously not just an issue for young men. In fact, um, <laughs> many of these pornographers are seeking out young women, finding ways to engage them in this billion-dollar industry that's called pornography, right? And it's because it's become, in that sense, even more and more private, right? It's no longer on a computer, in the home computer, but it's now on every single device invading, right, every part, part of our lives, <clears throat> right? Think about even apps like Snapchat. In fact, one mom here, and I can say this to you, she came up to me a few months back, she says, hey, do you know about the app Kick? I go, I don't know what that is. She goes, oh, it's elementary school kids. And I go, okay. She's like, it's really like Snapchat, but it's the younger kids are using it. I'm like, man, where are they getting these phones? Right? <laughs> you know? and, and she starts telling me, yeah, we've had to take some things away. We've had to have conversations because girls are starting to send inappropriate photos to boys in the elementary school. I think, I understand they're like, I mean, I read stuff, but my goodness. Right? That's not, that's not far away. That's here in Kingsburg. Right? It's in our schools. Right? Young girls being forced to share images and they're being threatened. If you don't do this, we're going to exploit you. And these young boys know that they can put their, the girls' images through, to other boys and exploit them this way. Right? You talk about things like we got this word sexting and private messaging, both on the rise. Right? And it's not just in the world, right? It's in the church. Right? The world, in that sense, is not going to protect you or my kids. I have to think about these stats too. Right? As my kids get older. Right? As my son turned seven a few weeks ago, I'm like, geez. You know, we're, we're thinking about these things, right? The issue calls for us to be constantly accountable, right? And, and helping our, our, our children be accountable and, and be vigilant in this. In that sense, we, you and I, we need both open lines of communication with our kids, right? We need to be discussing these things, right? And so we've got these three things. We've got these three things. We're preoccupied. We've we got issues with people, right? Face-to-face -face relationships. And we've got this, obviously, this issue of purity, right? And so I thought, man, what? You might be thinking, well, what do we do? Right? What can we do? Can I just spend a couple minutes and just give you a couple helpful things that probably what you came, came for, okay? Right? I would say this, first and foremost. There is, there, the first offense, right, is you. The first offense is you. There is no app for parents, right? You can't be replaced, Right? The first offense is you. And I think first and foremost, we need to come back to the gospel. Right? The gospel tells us we're fallen, but it also tells us the greatest news for our problem and for our children's problem, which is they can have hope and salvation in no other name right, than Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're unaware that your children might be struggling in one of these areas. And, and, and some of these are preference issues. Some of them, obviously, with purity are related directly to sin. Right? But they need to hear the good news. I never want to move past the gospel, right? Christ knows that they can't pay the penalty, right? So he gave his life, right? And we have to be ready and available, right, to help them to mortify their sin, to help them meditate on God's word, and to help them manifest Christ's likeness. Secondly, I'd say this, and these next few are just really practical. Minimize distractions and embrace focus. Embrace focus. I'm trying to do this in my own life. You know what I've done the last couple months? I've turned off my notifications almost completely. You don't need them. Every time an app asks me, do you want us to you notify you? No, I don't. I'll tell you what I want you to do, right? Stop bombarding me, right? It's amazing. You read Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, the leaders of two, two of the largest computer companies in the world, both had strict restrictions on their children when it came to digital devices. Right, Bill, uh, Steve Jobs got up in front of the world in 2010. The iPad is the greatest device to ever come out. Everybody's going to want to own one. Very next day or like th that week, someone asked him, hey, so your kids must love it. He goes, my kids have never used one. Right? We, don't, we have strict regulations in our home. Evan Williams, the creator of Twitter, he says he has no digital devices for his young, young, two young boys. He bought them 200 books and they can read whatever they want whenever they want. 
right? Even the leaders of the people who are building the technology know the dangers. And I sometimes wonder if we do, right? If we're thinking about them, right? Colossians 3, 2. If you want a verse for this, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, right? Make it your aim to purge your life of unnecessary distractions, right? For me, just, and some of you guys probably use this, I use the do not disturb function on my phone. From the hours of 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., my phone will not light up, will not ding, will not do anything. And you say, well, what if an emergency phone call comes in? Well, add those people to your favorites, right? Because then the call will come through. Do Not Disturb has some functions where you can make those changes. I'd suggest this. For those of you who have kids with smartphones, use the Do Not Disturb function, right? Help them manage their time on their devices. It's amazing when you read about kids. Kids, they, they're struggling to stay awake, in school, and a lot of it is because they're on underneath their covers looking at their phones. And even still, more studies, I was blown away. Even the idea of the blue light on our, on our, on our faces is hurting us physically, right? We're not used, that, that's our body telling us to wake up. Morning light, right? This kind of bluer, brighter light, right? That's why our phones now have this thing called night mode. You've seen this, right? It's a warm color, it's supposed to emulate fire, right? And, and your body telling your body to go to sleep. Right? So we've got to minimize distractions and embrace focus. Um, resist the urge right, to run to social media every spare moment. I'm trying to help our students do this. Right? And I'm not saying it's everybody and making generalizations. And how about this? Just meditate on God's word. This is underneath minimize distractions. Right? Put down your phone. Maybe don't spend your time in God's word on your phone today. Right? Because even when you're using that Bible app, what can happen? Sports score, Facebook update, Twitter update, text message, and our minds are just... Same for your children. Here's another one. Reject isolation and embrace visibility. Can I just say this to you? As a friend and as part of the pastoral staff, read your kids' text messages. Read them. Embrace visibility. Right? You say, well, Shay, that's embracing, I mean, that's, that's going, that's, they need some privacy. Well, I was thinking about this as I was thinking about a family that I knew who were shocked when they found alcohol in their kid's room. Like, we don't know how it got here. And we start asking questions. Well, 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 yeah, we did let him move down to the basement. And we thought it was weird and he was moving in a mini fridge. Right? And, and, and you're like, my goodness. Right? And that's just a real world example, right? But what we do that digitally. Right? We're, just, we're just handing them things, right? And we're saying, here you go, you can handle it, right? And I don't think often that they can, right? You're the parents, right? In fact, it's not just text messages. Can I, can I remind you that almost every single app that's a social media app today has some kind of private texting functionality? Right? Instagram has it, Facebook has it, Snapchat, all of them, Twitter, they all have private texting options, right? So you, you could read text messages all day, but you need to be able to see other things, right? They need to embrace visibility, and reject isolation. Um, think about this. Sin always wants its privacy. It always does, right? It's going to seek out ways. That's why the gambling industry has exploded online in the last few years, right? Because now we can do it more privately and more quickly, right? Spend time with people face-to-face. -face. That's pretty much no-nonsense stuff, right? Pretty obvious. Stop scrolling through your timeline. I was joking with Bethany. It's like Dory on Finding Dory. Just keep scrolling. Just keep scrolling. Hey, this is our social media lives today. Right? We just keep on going. There's no end. And it's, it's designed like that on purpose. Go to church. Right? I'm preaching to the choir there. Be available. Be vulnerable. I told our students, embrace the awkwardness of a face-to-face -face conversation with an older person. Right? Embrace it. It's a part of your Christian life. You need to have older, older people in your lives, older men, older women. <clears throat> Fourthly, I'll say this, two more. Protect your family's purity. Protect your family's purity. Dads, dads, take control of the devices in your homes. Right? Get them back. Do what you have to do. Right? Can I give you one phenomenal resource here? Circle. Circle. Meetcircle.com. Meetcircle.com. We bought one for our home because I was concerned about this. This is just a helpful tool. It's $100, okay? So I'm telling you, you're gonna make a little financial investment here. But Circle attaches to your router. It's a device that attaches to your router. So any device that comes onto your Wi-Fi network in your home can at that point be controlled and be, and be managed, 
Right? You can actually go there and select. I don't want them to have this app. I don't want them to access to this. They can only have access between these hours. You can set bedtimes and wake times. We do this for our children who want to wake up and run to the Apple TV, right? which we have passwords on everything. Then they learn the passwords. We end up changing the passwords, right? <laughs> you know, And you're just like, it's a cycle. But I can set time limits for my own kids. You can set them by device. You can say, if, you're, if your kid has an iPad and an iPhone, you can say, all right, those two devices are attached to this person. I want this person to have these times and this kid to have these times. Circle's a phenomenal, phenomenal resource and help to parents. You say, Shay, what happens when they go out of our Wi-Fi network? Right? What happens then? Well, Circle has solved that problem as well. And for the low, low fee of $9.95 a month, you can manage up to 10 devices off of your own Wi-Fi network. So whatever they're doing outside of your Wi-Fi network, whether that be um, on, their, on whatever service, you can manage those devices. That, I think, is one of the greatest helps right now to just start. I'll give you another resource in this. Tim Challies has a great blog that he called The Porn-Free Family Plan. The Porn-Free Family Plan. I think he even talks about Circle in there. He just will walk you through kind of a simple process of how you can bring your home back in, right? Reel it back in. We have to do this. I've got to protect my kids. You have to protect your kids. Finally, this one. Maybe this one hits a little closer to home for us individually. Model self-control. Model self-control as parents. I'm learning this. Love the way Sinclair Ferguson said this. It is better to enter heaven having having decided to never use the internet again rather than going to hell clicking on everything you desire. That kind of speaks to purity, but I think it could also speak to other things right? Model self-control. What kind of habits do you have that your kids are watching? My kids, I've watched them do it. Like, well, daddy, we want to use Snapchat. What? No, you're five, right? But I realized, oh no, they've they've seen me hanging out with junior hires and high schoolers, right? And and, and having fun in many ways, right? But how about this? Don't Don't binge watch anything. We have this new word, binge watch. You've heard of it? Because the YouTube videos just keep coming and the Netflix videos are designed to just keep playing, Right? Don't binge watch. Remove the phone from the dinner table. Right? Turn it off. Put it on Do Not Disturb during dinner time. I've learned that this is just helpful. I'll say this because I love saying this. Read more books. <laughs> Spend time doing other types of media. Um, disconnect. Unplug. Here's one for parents too. For those of you guys who use me- email a lot, unsubscribe from everything. Unsubscribe. You don't need all those emails from Target telling you there's this deal. Right? <laughs> You don't need Best Buy telling you. I mean, I, I one time subscribed to like, I think J. Crew because I was trying to maybe change my style, you know? And like, it was like every three hours, they're like, hey, we got this deal. And I'm like, whoa. You know, by the end of the day, I've got like 12 emails from J. Crew and I'm like, I'm done, right? I don't need that, right? Just start unsubscribing. Unsubscribe from stuff. I love the way John Piper, he tweeted this, by the way, so I'll full disclosure there. Um, he said this, he was watching TV in 1986 and he wrote in his journal, Quote, no good shows, just cute evil and clean godlessness. And he says, I assume it hasn't improved, (laughs) right? I mean, I love TV just as much as the next person, right? But at some point, right, we've got to model self-control, right, in our homes and for our kids. I'll give you one final verse on this, Mark 8, 36. I think it applies. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Right? I, I think in some sense we have gained the whole world. It's right here. Right? right, But in many ways, we're forfeiting our souls. Um, I don't want to leave on a downer. There's hope in the gospel. There's hope in the truth of the cross. But I do want to just give you a couple minutes. We've got a couple minutes. Um, it's kind of the end of, kind of my formal, formal stuff. But I know some of you guys are thinking of questions. You're, 